the God questions. Let's have a let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, your servant, I ask that you speak through me and bless through me. Father, let a life change and let somebody receive a revelation that will bring elevation to somebody's life. Thank you, Spirit of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe God is going to bless you, let me hear your loudest. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today, uh, last week, the question one was, where are you? Today, we are answering question two, the God questions. Uh, where are you? And today, the question is, who told you that? Still in the Garden of Eden, who told you that? Before I give you the background of this question, and the context within which this question was asked, I am reminded of 15 years ago, how I asked a young pastor this same question. Who told you that? This young man had huge potential. 15 years ago, I believed he was going to be one of the greatest apostles that this nation will ever produce. 15 years ago, I believed it. He was intelligent. He was smart. He was eloquent. He loved the Lord. He was prayerful. Fortunately for him, his, his uncle had a church in the UK and has opened a branch in Takrade and asked him to pastor the branch in Takrade. So the uncle paid him in pounds from Takrade. And how much he was earning at the time was more than what I had ever earned in a month for the 12 years I had pastored then. So I was happy for this man. He's found a wife in Takrade and he started raising a family. Once in a while, he comes to Accra to visit me because he was my mentee and I would speak with him and I would bless him and I would thank God for his life and I would advise him and he would go back to Takrade. And he would send me exciting reports. They were constructing a chapel. People were coming to church. He was excited that he made that bold decision to accept Jesus as his Lord and personal Savior and made even the bolder decision to become a pastor and to respond to the calling. One day he came to Accra to visit again. And he came to Accra and visited my office. So in our conversation, he just told me he's left his uncle's church and that his uncle has been raising money in the UK on behalf of the Ghanaian church. And he was only sending a fraction of that money to the Ghanaian church. And the how much he was being paid was actually a fraction of the money the uncle collects in his name. So he's left the church. My first question was, who told you that? Who told you that? Apparently, one of the leaders of the church in the UK was coming to Ghana. So the uncle said, please, when you get to Ghana, can you please go to Takrade? 
and see the work. I've been sending money for the construction of the temple. See how far it has gone. See how my nephew and his wife are doing and send me a report. The leader gets to Takrade and in one day destroys a relationship that this boy built from birth, his uncle's his uncle. This leader gets there and tells the guy the amount of money that we have raised in the UK for this church, it should have been completed by now. How much are you paid? Wow, this small. But our books in the UK shows that you are paid more than that. Your uncle is cheating you. So on the basis of that, the guy resigns. I was not surprised that a leader could do that. Because as pastors, as a pastor of over 13 years, I've seen that. There have seen several people around pastors who feel offended by our decisions, our actions, and inactions, by what we have preached, by what we have stood for, by who we are. They feel offended. And anytime they get any of our subordinates, they try to pay us back by sowing a seed of rebellion. So, so I wasn't surprised that a leader who had been sent to go and inspect a project and to bring a report will go and be used by the serpent in the Garden of Eden to to influence this young man to resign. The young man came to a crowd bitter and angry that all this while his uncle has been cheating him. I said, I said, brother, your, un- your uncle's cheating is better than my full-time pay for the 12 years I have been a pastor. I have never received a salary quarter of what your uncle was giving you. You don't Pursue what you observe. You pursue what you deserve. I said, call your uncle and beg him. Just call your uncle and beg him. And don't say, no, no, no. No. I've come to Accra. I'm going to start a ministry. I'm going to start a ministry. I've come to Accra. So I left him. Didn't see him for a number of years. The next time I saw him, he has come to ask me if you could work with me. I said, son, if you couldn't work with your uncle, not a stranger. Not a stranger. And as at the time he came to me, what your uncle was paying you, I couldn't afford. I will give you less than that. He said, doesn't matter. He will sacrifice. And when I heard the word sacrifice, I was very angry. So I couldn't engage him. The next time I heard about him, he was a petrol attendant at a filling station. At a filling station. Then one day, so he kept coming to me for help. And anytime I helped him, I 
took him back. And I, I will say to him, you remember what I told you? To call your uncle, beg him, and go back home and do the work of ministry. This gentleman, one day came to me with tears in his eyes. His wife was dead. The woman was sick and had no money to take her to hospital. And she was dead. One day she came to me. He comes regularly for help. And I will assist him. Then he left the, um, the petrol atten- uh, attendee job and now became a teacher in a small school that they couldn't pay him. So, um, and because the children had scholarship in the school, so he has to stay there and do the work that there was no salary coming in. So he has to depend on me to support him. Because I advised him, he didn't take it. I had become a burden, I had to support him. One day he came to me, he said one of his children was very sick. I was worried, very worried. Let not this man suffer a second death. So I gave him money. I said, quickly, take a taxi back home and take drop-in. Then we didn't have Uber. So take drop-in and bring your child. I'm going to take your child to see my personal doctor. I want to make sure your child receives good, good, good medical care. He didn't come back. He was actually lying to me to get money. Who is talking to you? And who is advising you? And who is admonishing you? You see, listen. When you see people's attitude are changing. If you see your husband is changing. If you see your wife is changing. If you see your, your friend is changing. If you see your associate is changing. If you see someone around you is changing. There is someone he's talking to. There is someone she's talking to. Somebody is talking to. And I want to take you to the book of Genesis. And I want to show you something. Why God asked this question. Last week, I gave you the background of, of what happened. The book of Genesis. God created the heavens and the earth. Made a nice garden called Eden. Put Adam and Eve in the garden. Gave them everything in the garden. Everything in the garden. Including the gold and the silver. And every animal. And all the trees except the one tree. The tree of good knowledge and evil. Don't touch it. Don't do anything with it. Don't eat it. Satan succeeded. In the form of a serpent. In getting man. Getting Adam and Eve. To disobey God. By eating that tree. So. God asked this question. In a conversation. And I want us to go to Genesis 3 verse 11. Because God. Had now come to them. And they have run away from God. And God has asked them, where are you? And they have said, when we heard you coming, because we were naked, we went to hide. Immediately, God knew that somebody was talking to them. This, this, this were people I come here every day to have a conversation with. They were, not, they were not ashamed that they were naked. Now I'm coming, you are running away from me. Now your attitude has changed. Now look at the way you are behaving towards me, Adam. So, Genesis 3, verse 11. And he said, 
Who told you that? You were naked. Have you eaten the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, God knew. Why didn't God just go ahead to say, have you eaten the tree I commanded you not to eat from? Why did God begin by asking, who told you that? Because God knew that every action is as a result of words. It's as a result of words. Somebody has spoken to them. In this case, it was a serpent. And I want to bring your attention to a serpentine spirit that moves around the church. And I'm going to conclude by showing you the seven people that operate with serpentine spirits. And, and in this particular instance, the, the, the objective of the serpent was to twist God's word, was to, was to steal God's word from the heart of Adam and Eve. And I'm going to show you how Satan is using people to try to steal God's word from your heart. Can I tell you something? The basis of your relationship with God is his word. The basis of your relationship with anybody is the person's word. I met mommy. I told her, I love you. I want to marry you. And for 29 years, our relationship has been based on that word. I love you. I want to marry you. And she said, she loves me back. And that is it. The, listen, the Bible said two cannot work together unless they agree. But agreement must be based on something. There cannot be agreement without words. The basis of what you do as a Christian is God's word. Your relationship with God is based on his word. Your prayer must be based on God's word. Let me tell you something. If you've been praying for so many years and you are not getting the answers you are looking for, it's because you are not praying according to his word. Prayer is reminding God of his word. It's taking God's word back to him. One of the things I can stand in my life is to, is to get the impression that any of my children is thinking that I'm not keeping my promise. So if they ask me something and I promise them, and they get back to me and say, Daddy, last time you promised to do this for me, you did not do it. I immediately, I immediately make sure I fulfill that promise. Because that is where you keep your integrity. That's where you keep your respect. God's word is what keeps God's integrity. It's what brings respect to God. It's what brings honor to God. God's word contains everything you need to know about God. You can't know anything about God beyond God's word. For instance, there are a few angels whose names were mentioned in the Bible. Angel Michael, Gabriel, I think Raphael. Beyond these, there were no angels' names in the Bible. So if anybody comes to you and mentions the name of an angel, that is a liar. That is, the person is a liar. Because you cannot relate with God 
beyond his word. I, I, Etufuado cannot rule this country beyond the constitution of, of, of this country. He cannot go to Nigeria and pick Nigeria's constitution to come and rule Ghanaians. No! God cannot deal with you beyond his word, apart from his word. He is his word and his word is he. He has exalted his word above his name. Everything will pass away, but his word will never pass away. The stability of your marriage. Now, everything will pass away, but his word will not pass away. So, certain marriages will pass away, but any marriage built on God's word will not pass away. Some businesses will pass away, but any business built on God's word will not pass away. Satan knows this. Satan knows this. He knows it. And when Satan comes to you, he comes for one thing. He comes to either twist God's word, dilute God's word, or steal God's word from you. Once God's word is stolen from you, Satan can do anything he wants to do with you. Now, you know why lawyers are powerful in this country and any country you go? They do the Bible that rules that governs the country, the constitution. So you, even you, when you're going to play with somebody that says, I'm a lawyer, you are careful. Even if you are dating a woman who is a lawyer, you are careful. You are careful. Hey, if I disappoint this woman, there might be a law somewhere <laughs> that she can quote and interpret and put it to me. Uh, are you here? <laughs> so I want, I want to show you something. Go to the next slide, please. I, I'll, be, I'll be speaking from here. Go to the next slide. Now, if you talk to the wrong people, you let the right people, you let go the right people in your life. You let go the right people in your life. If you talk to the wrong people, you let go the right people in your life. I have seen people who have let me go. But I know that I am, I am, I am, I am their destiny helper. But they've let me go out of their lives because they spoke to the wrong people. Be careful. Be careful who you are talking to. Don't let people, God, listen, listen, listen. There are two groups of people on your path. Those that God has placed on your path to assist you in your journey of life. And those that Satan has placed on your path. To destroy your progress in life. Now, those of you who were here last Wednesday, I talked to you about how every information must be received through God's word. Hmm? Now, the next slide, please. I'll be working with you. I want to be here. I want to close earlier. I'll be working with you now. Now, here, here. Satan's number one agenda. Is to attack God's word. Why? Why? Here. Psalm 119 verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart. That I might not sin against you. The only thing that places. A barrier between you and God. Is sin. 
The only thing that gives Satan access to your life is sin. The only thing that allows Satan to attack your marriage, to attack your finances, to attack your business, to attack your health is sin. So Satan knows that if you are not sinning, he cannot get you. Unless under a circumstance like that of Job, where God wants to try your faith. Now Satan also knows that if you keep God's word in your heart, you will not sin against him. That's why in the parable of the sower, the seed that fell by the roadside, Jesus said, it's those who receive God's word and they are happy about it, but Satan comes and steals it from their heart. Like this word I'm preaching, Satan can just steal it from your heart. Immediately you get out of this place. He can just steal it from your heart. That's why you must put on the breastplate of righteousness. So anytime God's word is preached, you keep it there. Listen, let me tell you this. If you even obey 10% of God's word, you'll be fine in life. You will enjoy your marriage. You will enjoy your business. You will enjoy your life. You will enjoy your health. The reason why it is so difficult to read the Bible is because Satan knows. Satan is like this uncle who, who adopted his brother's son because his brother died early. And his brother's son lived with him like a houseboy. Did all the donkey jobs. Whilst his children went to good schools, his brother's son was just going to any school in the locality. With children who travel with his children abroad. And this boy would just be around. But the boy noticed something. That even though he was responsible in facing and dressing up the man's bedroom. There was this safe that the man was always very cautious. Don't go there. Don't touch it. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. He, he was very confused. Why is my uncle preventing me from doing this? So one day when they had traveled, he managed to get a safe opened. And inside, what he discovered shocked him. Everything his uncle was enjoying was his father's. And his father has willed it to him. The reason why the uncle has kept, kept that will in that safe was to ensure that this boy would not know what was his. That's exactly what Satan does. Watch every movie you are fine, you watch it. Three movies on the slot. Netflix, Netflix is, the, is your middle name. <laughs> but how many minutes can you concentrate when I'm preaching? How many minutes can you even take the Bible and read it? Immediately you start reading the Bible, you feel like sleeping. Because Satan knows that the will of God for your life, whatever God has willed for you, is in his word. It's in his word. And if you discover it, you will have a better life, you will have a good life, you will have a victorious Christian living. So Satan fights it. And fights it and fights it very, very well. I want to show you something. Next slide, please. Now, here. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty 
that any of the wild animals the Lord had made, he said to the woman, did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Look, look at how he's twisted it. From any tree in the garden. God said they can eat anything. I said the tree of knowledge, good and evil. But Satan came and said, did God really say you shouldn't eat from any tree? Any tree? Then this God might be a wicked God. To plant all these trees and ask you not to eat from any tree. God never said that. God never said that. Now, anybody who puts words in God's mouth is as crafty as a serpent. It's operating with a serpentine spirit, and I'll show you. Anybody who attacks the Bible, who attacks God's word, operates with a serpentine spirit. Can I show you? Can I show you seven people who the serpent can easily use to attack God's word? Now, now, there are three ways in which you, you, God's word comes to you. By reading, by reading, by hearing, or by watching it. Okay? So, for instance, I'm preaching God's word to you. Okay? This is the rima. So, when you take your Bible to read, it becomes Logos. The word of God, you read. And then the pastor comes with a revelation from God's word. And he shares that with you. And teaches that. And shares that with you. What Satan is afraid of is to take that God's word that is written with pen, with ink over paper. As far as it is ink on paper, it is like any ordinary book. That's why people can learn when we were Bible knowledge, when we were young in school, we used to learn Bible knowledge. And usually, the teachers who teach Bible knowledge, you can find some of them are drunkards. Because that is the letter. So those of you who take God's word and put it under your pillow and say that when Satan comes, you'll find the word of God under the pillow. No, 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 no. That one, that one, oh, that one, that one is not. That one is God's word on a piece of paper. But when that word jumps, jumps from the Bible and enters into your heart, becomes a revelation for you, you begin to walk with it, it is different. And what I'm sharing with you right now, can I proceed? Let me show you something. How does how does the serpent attack God's word? Luke 8, 11 and 12. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. From today, may Satan never have access to your heart. From today, may the word of God be hidden in your heart. That you might not sin against him. Next slide, please. Look at this. Look at this. How serpent, how Satan attacks God's word. Through a serpentine spirit of peace people. Hmm. Psalm 104 verse 3. 
They make their tongues as sharp as the serpents. The poison of vipers is on their lips. So there are some people, eh? there are some people, there are some people who are what we call serpentine spirits. And I want to show you how serpentine spirits easily, the serpent that attacked God's word in the Garden of Eden, how they easily can enter into you and use you against God's word. And use you against God's word. See, the brother beside you, the sister beside you can be operating with a serpentine spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who spoke to you yesterday and tried to discourage you from coming to church and said all manner of things about this church and about me to you was operating with a serpentine spirit. Yeah, with a, with a serpentine spirit. I'll show you right now. They made their tongues as sharp as serpents. The poison of vipers is on their lips. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Poison of vipers is on their lips. May anybody with the poison of a viper that is around you, may God cast them out of your life. I said, may God cast them out of your life. May God remove them from your path. They want to poison, poison your husband against you, poison your wife against you, poison even your children against you, poison The serpentine spirit is still operating. And they only show up when you enter into your garden of Eden. They will show up. That's why there are many people, the only time they start rebelling against God and against the man of God, God used to bless them, is when they start prospering. Because Satan will never show up until you get into your garden of Eden. Where you have a sense of independence from even God. <laughs> And you feel some services are below you. And some pastors are below you. Did daddy come to prayer factory? No. no. The other pastors, I don't feel them. I don't feel them. <laughs> I don't feel them. Please, if you don't feel them, you come here and feel yourself. Pray until you, you start feeling yourself. Oh yeah, there's some of you, when I feel the world spring of wisdom, I said, okay, let me take maybe a month break and let other pastors teach. You will stop coming to teaching service. Because you feel more anointed than that pastor. Okay, let me show you. People with serpentine spirit that, that Satan uses to attack God's word. Number one, they're disappointed. They're disappointed. I said, one of the, one of the most difficult people to deal with is people with disappointed expectations. You know, some people became Christians on the basis of certain expectations. On the basis that if I become a Christian, somebody will marry me early. If I become a Christian, I will prosper. If I become a Christian, my problems will be solved. Some people had that expectation. But Jesus never said that. He said, if you want to follow me, carry your cross and follow me. He was very honest. He said, he said, he said, he said he said that the road to, to heaven is very narrow. He didn't sugarcoat his word. He didn't preach a motivational message. Jesus didn't preach any motivational message. He did not. He was very frank with you that the journey is rough. And the Bible said many are the afflictions of the righteous. But when you become a Christian, your problems are many. I don't know who told you that walking to church 
and hanging around and singing the choir and cleaning the chapel will tend will make you prosperous. You do these things for a crown in heaven. I am not a pastor because I want to prosper. I preach the way I preach because I'm looking for a crown in heaven. Whatever blessings I have today, I activated the principles from God's word. It's not because I come to church. It's not because I'm a Christian. Because there are people who are not Christians who are even more blessed than Christians. In fact, in fact, if we start look at the world billionaires, African billionaires, they are not Christians. They are not, they are not charismatics among the African billionaires. They are not tongue-talking believers among the African billionaires. Because this is not a religion that makes people billionaires. He said, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. If you are truly following him, you will be bringing souls to church, not to come to church to expect a miracle. He can only confirm his word with signs and wonders follow you. But if you do not receive the word, on what basis will he confirm with signs and wonders follow you? They're disappointed. We say things like, oh, we, we have done this, uh, we didn't see anything. Yeah, me, me, I used to sweep church. I used to go 6 a.m. and sweep the church and clean the church, all the cobwebs. I used to remove them. Look at my life. You see, that is a serpentine spirit talking. It's attacking God's word. The word that says that if we serve God genuinely, if any of you wants to be great, you must first serve. The person is suffering from disappointed expectation. I have never been disappointed in my Christian life. Because I didn't start this Christian life on a wrong premise. I knew what I was getting myself involved in. I knew that to accept Jesus is to carry my cross. Is to walk on the narrow path. And if I succeed in walking on the narrow path and I carry my cross faithfully, the byproduct will be a blessing. <laughs> oh, Pleasant Place Church. They say, Mr. Stoffer has the anointing for wealth. I've gone, sir, I didn't see anything. So I have changed my church. I'm going to another church. I'm going to another church. You'll be more disappointed. Now, there are also people who come to church expecting to see saints. I don't see saints. I have never been deceived. By the fact that all of you here sitting down here, nicely dressed up and sitting down here, I have never been deceived by your outward appearance. There are witches sitting here, witches. There are wizards in church. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If we catch a witch in this church, I, I won't be surprised. Or if there are even some of them I know. But because they can't do anything, I leave them. Per adventure, they may change. So I leave them to stay in the church. Oh, there are some I know. I'm, uh, who told you? I don't know. All the witches here, just let, let, let you know that I know you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are, there are wife cheaters here who are cheating with girls in this church. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And their wives know those girls. And those girls, they call their wives aunties. <laughs> Auntie, praise the Lord. <laughs> and they are still cheating. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, so you see, so don't ever think that I will be disappointed in you if I am told that this is what you are doing. Some people come to church and they feel disappointed. Ah, I thought I was going to a place where I will be loved. I thought I was going to a place where I will be, I will have peace. This is not a place where you will have peace. Oh. It's a place where everybody is looking for peace. So nobody is going to give you peace. We are all here because we all have problems. We are sinners who are trying to be saints. Are you here? We are sinners who are trying to be saints. But you should be careful because every sin has consequences. So don't go around and say, well, daddy says that we are sinners who are trying to be saints. Now, I'll come and teach you something on the divine clock, a walk with God. The timelines, how, where changes must happen before judgment comes in. At some point, eh, judgment will follow. Is the, is the man of God preaching? Am, am I sharing something with you? <laughs> this is not a church where the pastor preaches and people are shouting and screaming. It's a church where the pastor preaches and you are thinking about your Christian life. You are examining yourself and you are thinking, will I make heaven or I'll go to hell? And you are beginning to think. You are beginning to think. Because immediately you, you forget that there is heaven. Your Christian life is finished. Then you forget that there will be a judgment day one day. It will stand before the king of kings. And you will judge us according to our works. You are finished. What is the essence of coming to church if you, you, you will go to hell? Please, Sunday morning, go to Chris Berry and, and let those who want to go to heaven come here. It will be better for you to go to Chris Berry eh? and enjoy yourself, do your drugs, do your prostitution, and go to hell. Than to come to church and pretend and come and pray with us and go and live in sin. When you even go to hell, Satan will say, you were the one praying at prayer factory against me. <laughs> and you have come here. Welcome. Satan will say, I don't trust you. Because if we could deceive God like that, <laughs> you, me, I don't trust you. And Satan will go and put you at a place where you can't betray him. Am I preaching? So please, don't let your disappointed expectation become a gospel for you. Stop telling people how you have served God and you are suffering. How you have left everything to follow him and you have not seen anything. Please, stop being negative. It is only vipers who poison people. You are weakening people's faith. God doesn't owe you any gratitude. He doesn't owe you anything. So if you're not seeing what you expected to see, either your expectations were not realistic or your Christian life, there's something wrong with it. Okay, number two. Because very soon, some people will be offended that time is up to close and I'm still preaching. 
So, so the second is the offended. The offended. Now, one day, eh, no, during the uh, um, um, lockdown, I preached a sermon on fruitful isolation. But I want to teach you something on what I call the dangerous isolation. Dangerous isolation. You know, Eve was isolated when Satan, the serpent, went there. Eh? And I think one of the most dangerous isolation is offense-based isolation. Offense-based isolation. Hmm. There are people in churches who feel offended one way or the other by either the actions or the inactions of the pastor, the commission or the uh, omissions of the pastor, or sometimes even by leaders, or sometimes even by congregation members. They are offended. And they are bitter. And the bitterness grows become hatred. And now they stop hating the person who offended them. They start hating the system. And that's now Satan begins to take advantage of that. And begins to speak through you to other people. It begins to attack God's word. Oh, where do you from who are Christopher? This is what they call themselves Christians. Be careful. This church, when you come in, be very, very careful. Be very, very, very careful. Be very careful. This church, dear. Hey. There are no more of gossipers in this church. Eh? Be careful. Last time I told you, I told you, if you give people stories, they will tell. If you don't give them stories, they have nothing to say. <laughs> are you here? Hey, be careful. In this church, be careful. When you see people like that, be afraid of them. If I should be careful in this church, and the way you are painting God's people to me. Why are you still around? <laughs> Why are you still around? It was like when we came here first. I used to go around looking for jobs because all the people who were in church at the time were jobless young men who were getting, once in a while there's a construction going on, they go and do it. So the church was really, really, really poor. And we finished service and people were sitting down and they have plenty of babies too. Somebody will come to church with seven babies. And he, he is a laborer. Then you close church and they don't have money. And all the offering were in coins. You have to start giving it to them. And mommy and I will be there. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, it was a serious thing. So I started going around looking for jobs for them. So I went to this factory. And the person said, okay, I should bring 14 boys. Came, got these 14 boys. To them, they, they show them where the things give them the man's name, ask them to go early. So they went early. When they got there, the factory was not opened, but some of the staff had come, they were standing outside waiting for the factory to be opened. Then one worker said, Hey, Hanan Baba Ejima, this is where you're coming to work, you will suffer. This work is no good. Though. So, me, Pastor, I found job for these people who have been depending and harassing me financially, and I'm free, I'm thanking God. They came to church next Sunday. I called all of them. How did work go? Oh, we didn't do it. Why? Because somebody told us this and this and this and this. So at the gate. I said, but are you crazy? Why has the person not stopped the work? I said, listen. We are all different people. Why will offend somebody? Will tickle somebody? Are you here? Yeah. Somebody will be laughing about what you are crying about. I 
I'm starting something with uh, Pastor Kevin on Entity uh, of Fair, Entity of Fair. But Pastor Kevin and I are two different people. And we have different approaches in wanting to do things. In wanting to do things. So I said, well, so anytime I'm doing something, he comes to me and says, Daddy, in our generation. So I said, so this conversation we always have with in our generation, in our generation. I also, I also have a generation. So, so immediately I said, ah, there may be a lot of fathers and sons who are going through this generational gap. Let's put our problems in the public. Let the public hear us. It will help people. So, so Titi of Fair and Titi of Fair is not like a, um, um, it's some show. It is, it is real situation at home. So Kevin feels that in their growing up, we didn't give them enough freedom like I got Nadabraka. Because when I tell a Madaraka story and we go home, we say, Daddy, you see, you see the way your parents allowed you to mingle with people and went to play football on the park. And I said, that wasn't freedom. That was a risk. <laughs> because my parents didn't have a compound house. We had only one room. And they wanted you to leave home. Because what are you doing? You are nine. The room is congested. Until we are sleeping, what are you doing here? Go and play with your friends. Go and play with, you understand? But then, fortunately for us, it was a community of houses without walls. So my father and the other man whose son is whose son is my friend, they were also friends. You know this one, you know this one, you know this, I know this one. So in our conversation, I said, You are calling what was a risk to me as freedom. So you see what the generational gap is. So we are bringing you that we're going to. So what, what would offend Kevin? That's not offending. What would offend me? That's not offend Kevin. Give me a father and a son. We have different emotional approaches to things. Kevin is very calm, very sympathetic. Very, very sympathetic. And people have not paid fees. They say they should go home. And we just come and say, Oh, daddy, please. Let them say, So, how are you going to generate money to run your school? Oh, daddy, you know. I said, Kevin, church is church. This is business. Think. So we'll be discussing all these things. But you see, I'm trying to establish that. Charlie, you see, we are different people. Don't let people transfer their emotions into you. Are you, are you here? You, you, you were wired differently. Why you can't stand, somebody cannot stand it. That's why you must have a sense of independence. And you must enjoy that freedom. Of how you were made. Don't let anybody pollute your system and who you are. Okay, let me move on. Now, the third is the backsliding. There are people amongst us who are backsliding. There are a lot of Christians who are. The most dangerous Christian is the backsliding Christian. They are like big trees. When they are falling, they want to fall with other trees. <laughs> oh, you still go to prayer factory? Me, this three hour prayer, three hour prayer, three hour prayer. We have gone past there. Now we think. Now we do thinking. We are at the level of thinking. All these ones, we have done it. 
Hey! You have graduated from prayer. Once you graduate from prayer, troubles are waiting for you. Problems are waiting for you. There are some people who are backsliding. Okay? They are backsliding. Tell them, when I go to church, I don't feel daddy anymore. It's not, it's not me that my anointing has left. Oh. It is you that you, you are backsliding. So spiritual things don't entice you. Anymore. It doesn't activate anything in you. It does not. You are dead. You are very dead. It's not only me. Even praise and worship, you don't feel it. All these things the choir came to do here. It's like, like water on the dark. <laughs> or pour water on the rock. You just don't know Honestly, some people, when I look at their attitude, I wonder, why did they come to church? They didn't come to worship. We're worshiping. They didn't worship. During the preaching, they were not responding. When church closes, they go and sit in their car. They move. So why did they come to church? What was the reason for coming to church? This is a family. And in a family, you cannot be an island in a family. We must be interconnected. In the family, even twins, people have their different behaviors. Don't, don't, don't use your upbringing to set up a standard for everybody's behavior in the church. Are you here? Hey, some people grew up in Adabraka. Some grew up in Manet. Others grew up in Buko. Some people also grew up in Choko. We must allow the Chokos to Choko, the Bukoms to Bukom, the Trazako to Trazako, and we must all live and love each other and celebrate each other. Are you here? And celebrate each other. You are, you are trying to turn your cultural values into holiness. And you want us to live by your cultural values. Please, your good works are like filthy rats before God. But it is those who are backsliding who hang on to their cultural values. The only thing you have left that looks like you were a Christian small is that your parents say when you see an elderly person, get up, let him sit down. Those are good works. They are good works. Even unbelievers do it. Hmm? Okay, okay. Let me move on. Let me be closing. What is the time? 11.20. Okay, okay, so... Okay, so look, look, look. The first prophet. Somebody says it's nine o'clock, so I'll be going with that time. <laughs> now, one of the most, most devilish thing that has happened to the African church is our, our desire for superstition and spiritism. We are not spiritual. We don't, we don't go for spirituality. We go for spiritism. We are not spiritual. We are superstitious. Because if you are spiritual, you will be attending prayer factory, not prophetic conference. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Now, the gift of prophecy is very important in the church. And there are genuine prophets. 
in May or somewhere, I'll be hosting the, the bishop and the prophets, the conference edition. And I'll bring to this house about five prophets. So I believe in the prophetic ministry. I believe it. I prophesy sometimes. And I can start prophesying now. I believe in the prophetic ministry. But there are a lot of false prophets who are destroying the church and homes. The only thing they see, let me tell you this, any pastor who creates fear and panic with revelations leading to you becoming dependent on that pastor is occultism. I'm telling you, it's occultism. Please, it will not take my prayer alone for your situation to change. It will take you and I praying together. Are you here? Nobody can lead your Christian life for you. If a prophet is prophesying on you, it should be confirming what God has already told you. You are an empty, dead Christian who is afraid of the devil because you know you are not praying, you are living in sin, you are walking in sin, you are talking in sin, you are sleeping in sin, you are driving in sin, you are doing everything in sin, and you are afraid some evil will happen to you. So you know what you are looking for? You are looking for someone who can, who can be pretending to have seen that evil and is protecting you. So I've had people who have come to me to find out, Daddy, I want you to weigh this woman. If, if she's the right woman, I can marry. You're already sleeping with the person. Eh? You're already sleeping with the person. How do I weigh the person you're already sleeping with? If you are in doubt, why are you already sleeping? If you think the person has... You're not even bringing the person for me to assess the person in character. But I want me to assess the person in spirit. To see whether the person has a good spirit. If it doesn't have a good spirit, she's already transferred the thing. Because you have slept with a person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have slept with a person. Now, all these men of God that you can't even travel until they give you green light are practicing, practicing occultism. It is only respectful that when you are traveling, you inform your pastor and then he prays for you. But you are not asking him permission. Can I go to my village? Once in a while, God will speak to your pastor and say, there's an evil ahead. Don't go. But if it becomes a regular thing, can I go to my village? Can I eat my wife's food? I suspect something. I saw some cobwebs in my house. Pastor, what do you think? Hey, you saw cobwebs. Hey, you saw cobwebs. Hey! Era, era, era. I saw my offering. Uh, what am I offering now? I see some bad thing. You have to give some offering. Rack of offering, brah. Of offering, brah. Because we have cowards here. Yeah, serious. Like, like, like we are joking. It's a joke. And you know why? Because our fetish mindset has not been renewed. Your fetish mindset is still the same. That's why you believe that when somebody is rich, it is Illuminati. Because blood money is still in your mind. 
Sikedro. It's still in your mind. I believe they are witches. I believe they are wizards. I'll talk about them right now before I close. I believe it that all these things. I believe that we must engage in top spiritual warfare to have breakthroughs in life. But all these things are useless if there's no word of God in you, if you are living in sin and, and you want a pastor to live your Christian life for you. The Christian life cannot be led by prosy. Please shut that Chinese phone down. But that is a Chinese phone. And I'm preaching. <laughs> okay, okay, let's let's move on. Chinese people, they are bad. They will wait until your, your, your bishop is making a point, and then they will they will call you. They will let the phone make a noise. Okay, number five, number five, the false teacher, the false teacher, the people. Let me let me tell you, let me tell you the false teacher. Sometimes you see when we talk about false teachers, we are looking for somebody with an evil spirit. I'm telling you about somebody who wants to preach what you want to hear. Somebody who wants to twist God's word to suit your life. And preaches for you to enjoy. And uh, I've told you here before, if you sit under me for six months and you don't hear a rebuke, you don't hear God's word that breaks your heart, I've backslide and leave the church. If 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 you sit under me even for one month, and there is no message that has woken you up to get closer to Jesus and has brought you closer to Jesus, leave the church and backslide it. With my quasari for a whole year. Not, not any serious preaching, not any serious teaching. Everything is jump here, jump there, jump here, jump. That's why, that's why you see. I'm afraid of the future of the charismatic church. That's why I've committed resources in training young pastors. Because you, most young pastors are coming from churches that they were never taught what is sanctification, what is justification, what is um, salvation. They don't know. I was on a panel interviewing pastors for ordination. One pastor came in, we told him, preach salvation message to us. He could not preach salvation message. So what, how did he get born again? He could not preach salvation message. A whole pastor with congregation. When the meeting with our bishop and the rest, then this guy came and said he's a bishop. So our bishop said, um, what the guy was talking, I said, our bishop weighed him in the spirit to realize that, no, oh, this guy is empty. As I said, so when did you become born again? He said, oh, me, I've been a Christian since I was a child. Christianity is taught by inheritance. Our bishop knew immediately, he looked at me and said, we are in trouble. <laughs> this guy is not born again. He is just eloquent. He's just very eloquent and very charismatic and has put people under him. He himself is not born again. Our bishop asked him, do you speak in tongues? He said, no, papa. Yeah, the whole bishop, charismatic bishop, doesn't speak in tongues. We will believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes with the evidence of speaking in tongues. It's a charismatic theology. You don't determine that for us. Tongues is a gift. It's a gift. If you have it, you have it. If you don't have it, you don't have it. Please. There's one called 
interpretation of tongues is a gift. We have the signs that will follow you. One of them is speaking in tongues. It's a sign that must follow you. It's your prayer language. It is the one you used to do Satan 419. When you are praying in tongues, Satan gets confused. What is he saying? What is he saying to God? Move on. People don't study God's word and they call themselves pastors. Then occupy the pulpit and teach things that does not exist in the Bible. Bring all manner of things and set confusion. Then some of you, they are missing things for you. Today in the church, in the charismatic churches, charismatic churches, some of you go to buy creams. 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 It tells how low we have sunk because you won't pray. You don't know spiritual warfare. So you need a cream as a substitute for prayer. Which is they are afraid of cream. Jerusalem, Jordan, Jordan, Monsieur. Jordan water. Jordan water. Is it not the same Jordan Jesus came from? Holy Ghost came upon him. 40 days fasting, Satan still appeared. Came from the Jordan, went to the wilderness to pray. After 40 days of fasting and prayer, Satan still appeared. Listen, even no matter how you pray, you will still engage in spiritual warfare. The only thing that will save you is to be able to tell Satan it is written. When Satan, I'm telling you, when Satan came to Jesus, he said, it is written. That is why the words of false teachers are even more dangerous than false prophets. Well, if you cannot say it is written, Satan will write you off. He will write you off. Am I speaking? Now, the second people, the six people, the six, number six, that Satan uses is Satan's own agents. I'm telling you. Oh, they are showing our banner. Listen. When the sons of God met, Satan went there. Satan is not afraid of the presence of God. He has been there before. He will go everywhere. Satan comes to church every Sunday through his agents. And if you are not spiritual, they will bring you down. They will bring you down. They will attack God's word and your desire for God's word. They will bring you down if you are not spiritual. Eh? Now, human beings can also be Satan's agents. If you take a tight and your wife says, don't take this tight to church, that's Satanic agent talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you. If your wife begins to attack your pastor to you, that is a satanic agent. I'm telling you. Listen, it is, it, it, I mean, Saul was anointed, but an evil spirit was still controlling him. An evil spirit. 
If your husband wants to take you away from where you were fed and became a beautiful woman, a great woman, be careful. When I met mommy, there were men of God who had made impact on her life already before I met her. I don't touch them. Even though I've pastored mommy for over 30 years, 29 years, you remember for 29 years, yeah, for 29 years, she still calls some people my spiritual father. Because she has, she has, yeah, and I haven't touched it. I haven't. Because when she wasn't a Christian, they led her to Christ. They baptized her in the Holy Ghost. She spoke in tongues. When I met mommy, she was already on fire. Whoever put that fire in mommy, I must respect that person. I must respect that person. I must honor that person and respect that person. Recently, one of them came and said he wanted a car. I have, I have kept it in my mind. I have just kept it in my mind. When my things settle, one day I called mommy, Charlie, get this one, top it up, go and get a car for that person. Sometimes you don't understand why you have not bought a car for your mother, but you buy a car for a spiritual person. Charlie, your spiritual life is more important. I'm telling you. I told all my sons when they came to Ghana, so the Nigerian sons, when they came and they were zealous for the Lord and were serving and they had no wives and other things. I said, I will look at you after you are married. And I can judge you by the impact of your wife on your life. How you come to church, how you relate with me, how you talk to me, how you relate with me. After you are married, I'll look at it. And I might say that some, some of them, I'm disappointed. Oh, hey, I'm disappointed to the point of shedding tears. Hey! You, listen. Anybody can be an agent. I, I one day I told mommy, I said, when it comes to spiritual matters, before you advise me, pray. Or else, you will bring Satan home like Eve brought Satan to Adam. Oh, Adam was sitting somewhere and Eve brought Satan home. If brought Satan home, your wife can bring Satan home. Oh, yes. One day you'll be there, sir. She'll come to you and say, I, I know a prophet who wants to pray. <laughs> he wants to come and pray with us. <laughs> you come to church here, and your wife is bringing you a prophet. And you are sitting down. <laughs> let the prophet come. Let the prophet come. Let the prophet come. Let the prophet come. You know that he doesn't prophesy. Let the prophet come. What I'm teaching you is more than prophecy. No, it's, it's because you don't understand spiritual things. You don't. Rame Pons is here, not me, because I don't see why. And sometimes it is you that Satan uses. It is you that Satan uses against you. Satan can use you against you. I'm telling you. All the things you say. Nowadays we are growing. We are growing. So I met a woman over 100 years old. Over 100 year old woman at a, at a, a naming ceremony. 
when she mentioned her age, I was surprised. They started telling me that it is the presence of God that has made her who she is. And that she has served God, the same job in the church. She has done it up to now. She still does it. Yeah, you kept that at the back of your mind. Beautiful, over 100-year-old woman. Recently, a, a lady put something on Facebook. She said she met a beautifully, a very beautiful old lady. Gray hair. Two, and the lady goes, oh, Mommy, you are very beautiful. The woman turned around and says, mentioned her age over 80. She said, it's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. All these ladies here, mothers here, who really are not engaged. You should be lying on this altar praying for the servant of God. Lying on this altar. Now, the, the, the mistake most of you, you do, eh, is that you think that you need prayer more than your pastor. <laughs> now, when I, you know, I started something on the questions of Jesus. I didn't finish. I'll come back when I finish this one. One of them was when he took them to Gethsemane. And came back to them and said, couldn't you wait with me for an hour? When the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the resurrection and the life was now asking for prayer support. Jesus was asking for prayer support. For the reason why Pharaoh couldn't kill him, though, Herod couldn't kill him when he was born, because there was a woman by name Anna who was praying in the temple even before Jesus was born that the prophecy should be fulfilled. Today, there are widows who are looking for help. But if we go to the Bible, the Bible talks about the widows who do not gossip, the widows who, 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 who work in the church, the widows who are about 60, who are not in the church gossiping, but who are in the temple serving. Anna lost her husband at a, old, at a, at a young age. Turned it into prayer. Sort of making herself uh, a pitiful widow. Widow. She turned it into prayer. She prayed until Jesus was born. And as she said, Lord, now you can take me away. As if, Lord, I am not dying until Jesus is born. And she prayed for the birth of Jesus. Listen, your Christian life depends on you. It does not depend on any pastor. It depends on you. Study God's word. Pray consistently. I'll continue next week because there are other five things I need to teach you. There are other five things I need to teach you. We need to wake up as Christians. We are not building a pleasant place church. It's not a church for excitement. It's a church for the anointing. It's where we seek the presence of God. Where we want to have an encounter with God. Where everybody seated under me after six months should be able to pastor a church. Are you here? A church where people, where God seekers attend. No women seekers, not miracle seekers. We are seeking God. That's the kind of church we want to do. Thank you. I love you all. Lift up your two hands and begin to pray. Just pray. Pray based on this word. Pray.